For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Do you bleed green? Are you an ultimate Eagles football fan? Well, you're in the right place. Well, you're in the right place. <laughs> This is Birds 365, hosted by the new Mac and Mac, Jody McDonald and John McMullen. And here we go, here we go! Who collectively have covered and talked about more than 50 plus years of Eagles football. Kick off your day with Birds 365. You'll get debate. We love to argue. You'll get the real story from inside the locker room. And you'll hear from some of the great football minds from around the region. You're about to become an Eagles insider. Get in the game. Join Jody Mack and Johnny Mack and join the football community that flocks to Birds 365. Birds 365 starts right now. Welcome to the NFL. Let's go! Let's go! Go! And a good morning, Birds fans. Even though that might be a stretch. You got your Mac and Mac guys, John McMullen and Jody McDonald here with you for a fast two of Philadelphia Eagle news and conversation. And Johnny Mac, after you thought you'd gotten over the bad feeling of the Eagles' first loss of the year Monday night at the uh, link against the Washington Commanders, News came down yesterday, which did not make any Eagle fan feel any better, that Dallas Goddard was injured on the play, that he coughed up the football, the missed uh, face mask penalty, uh, play in which he was able to stay in the game thereafter and continue to play. But on further examination, there's a shoulder issue with Dallas Goddard that the Eagles say is going to keep him out of the lineup. For multiple weeks, we'll only find out over time how many multiples there are in multiple weeks. But it looks like God Dallas is going to be missing time for the Philadelphia Eagles. And he's a guy they just can't afford to lose, Johnny Mac. No, uh, you know, um, I think it was 8-0 where, you know, when the Eagles were clearly the best team in the NFL, in my mind, uh, um, you know, I said it a bunch of times. The one thing that can change everything in the NFL is injuries. Um, the good news is some of the Eagles' injuries are, are obviously uh, very bad for the short term, but none of them are long-term injuries. So whether it's Jordan Davis on defense, Avante, Avante Maddox, um, and now Dallas Goddard, they're going to be back. Uh, but you definitely have to persevere. And the one thing about... Jordan Davis on the defensive side, the adjustments haven't come quick enough to playing without him. They're still working it out. We're still, 
you know, they still need to fix some things and who, you know, hopefully he'll be back <laughs> quickly. Um, hopefully he'll be back for that Tennessee game is that's as quickly as he can come back. Same thing offensively. You can't just put in Jack Stoll or Grant Calcaterra or Tyree Jackson and say, go do what Dallas Goddard does. And that's sort of what they've done on the defensive side of the ball with Marvin Wilson in Houston and Marlon Tui Pelota. Just do what Jordan does. Doesn't work that way, Jody. Um, so, you know, this is the first test for this coaching staff, and they they failed it in a little in a little way uh, over a short term, not making adjustments quick enough. You have to play a different way without Dallas Goddard, and hopefully, it's it's probably an AC joint sprain. So we're talking two to four weeks. Hopefully, he's not even on injured reserve. Um, maybe misses two games. Hopefully he can get back. But you can't play the way you were playing with Dallas Goddard. So, you know, balls in Nick Sirianni, Shane Steichen's court, they got to figure out a way how to do things a little bit differently. Your point is well taken, uh, trying to find a silver lining in a star cloud, that the injuries that the Eagles have suffered None of them are believed to be season ending because you get those type energies, injuries, uh, major injury. And guess what? See you next training camp. Uh, that's not the case with any of the injuries the Eagles have had. So that is the good news. But here's the bad news. Um, of the players who've gotten hurt, Maddox, I would certainly rank third, but Jordan Davis and, and Dallas Goddard. Injuries are happening in positions where the drop off from the player going out to the player stepping in to at least impart, you're right. You can't just plug them in and expect they're going to do the same. Maybe there are other adjustments that need to be made around them that the Eagles coaching staff needs to figure out. But just the uh, level of talent of the player from the guy who's going out to the guy who is for the majority going to be asking them to replace them, it's pretty massive. Uh, the, the guys who are getting hurt are guys – the, the drop-off, the depth at that position is borderline cavernous. That they just don't have anyone who does what Jordan Davis does. And yes, John and I have discussed it plenty that we're only talking about 35% of snaps. No, it's the domino effect of what happens on first down. It leads to second down. It leads to third down. And while Jordan Davis isn't on the field, he makes it easier for everybody else who's in when he's not on the field on those uh, seconds and third downs. And Dallas Goddard, uh, the drop-off between he and anyone else who's going to drop uh, in for tight end. A.J. Brown is is right now having a better year than Dallas Goddard, maybe having a better year than uh, any other uh, Philadelphia player, just statistically and ratings-wise, up until this past game when he got hurt early and didn't really do much. But through eight games, he might have been uh, the number one ranked player overall on this team. They can replace him. They can move Devontae Smith up. They can move Quez Watkins up. They could put Zach Pascal in there. Oh, there's a drop-off. But that drop-off from, say, Zach Pascal, guy who's replacing him, from A.J. Brown to Zach Pascal is not a big a drop-off as Dallas Goddard to Jack Stoll. I'm sorry. That's massive, and that's why this injury scares me greatly, John. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if AJ is the best example I would have given because he's another guy that you have a significant drop-off, but and you kind of saw it in-game. I mean, they weren't the same team without the ability to lean on 
AJ Brown. Um, but I hear what you're saying. Yeah. I mean, same thing. You got to play a different way. Um, and they haven't shown evidence yet. Now it's a very small sample size that, and, and Nick Sirianni, by the way, said it was talking more about the defense about oh, yeah. not making quick enough adjustments. Well, you know, and, and I agree with that. Um, but now we got to see it all offensively. You get, you got to make adjustments and they didn't make adjustments to losing uh, the effectiveness of AJ Brown. He was out there, but they didn't make enough adjustments to, to, okay, he's out there as a decoy. Um, so I would argue it was on both sides of the football uh, and, and Dallas Goddard. Yeah. I mean, I, I said he was the best pure football player on this team. You could say AJ Brown, very small list of guys. You can say he's in that list. Um, and you know, Jack Stoll's not, his role is not going to change anyway. He's the blocking tight end for the most part when they play 12 personnel. Now you got to amp up either Grant Calcaterra or Tyree Jackson, who hasn't played in a calendar year and is still learning the position. Yeah. I don't, I don't think there's a bigger drop off on this team at any position, including Jordan Davis to Marlon Tui Pelotu. That's not the drop off that this is, um, this this is as you used to term cavernous. This is the floor comes out of you. They do not have depth at the tight end, and you could throw Noah Tungi. Yeah, they might um, he he might be more likely to play because he's got even though he's on the practice squad, he's got so much more experience than playing the position um, at the pro level than Grant Calcaterra, and even at the college level, and certainly Tyree Jackson, who's a former quarterback. So. You might even have to throw Noah Tungi in the in the mix, but yeah, it's for for two weeks. You know, it's almost you got to play more eleven personnel. You got to play more Quez Watkins. You got to play more Zach Pascal. You got to go about it a different way. And until Dallas got it, you got to hold down the fort. You gotta you gotta you gotta make those adjustments. Let me ask you about Tungi. Um... Because they're in a unique position here. And you and I both were kind of wowed by Tyree Jackson. Not this camp, but the previous camp two years ago when he was making the transition from quarterback to tight end, made some plays, opened some eyes. People said, wow, the Eagles got a prospect here. And, of course, he gets hurt, so they don't get a real good look at him. He plays in the JV game, the last game of the season against the Eagles, makes a couple plays against the Cowboys, makes a couple plays, but gets hurt again. And now he's out for the entire season up until this point. They had opened his practice window of 21 days coming off the IR uh, two weeks ago. So they basically have to put him on the roster this week or he stays on the IR for the rest of the year and not knowing how long Goddard's going to be out. I think they believe that they want to have him at least available to potentially play. Uh, they're not going to carry three tight ends to replace Dallas Goddard this upcoming week, are they? Are they going to have Stoll and well, they, they, and they, Tung- they, uh, If they've got Jackson, that's all four tight ends. They can't afford to have all four guys on the roster. They, um, well, Noah would be an elevation. He wouldn't be on the 53. Um, you can just elevate him from the practice squad. I, I I believe they still have one more for him uh, to elevate. Uh, but yeah, they have to make a decision today. Today is the final day on Tyree Jackson. 
So they either have to put him on the 53 or uh, he's done for the season. Um, now, you don't want to put Dallas Goddard on IR unless you have to. Right. So you're going to, you're going to find out what the seriousness is of that injury. If it's in the four game window, if he's going to be back. In other words, before four games, you don't want to put him on IR. You don't want to waste uh, um, Dallas Goddard if he's available to play. So if they have to carry him on the 53, it makes it much more complicated. Now, they already have a spot uh, um, that they could just put Tyree Jackson on. Um, but then um, um, you have to make some other decisions as well down the road. Now, the big problem with this, Jody, is a lot of people get caught up in this bottom of the roster nonsense. And guys who aren't even active on game days. There are guys you can move and guys you can get through waivers and guys you can get back on the practice squad. Yeah, if you have to carry Dallas Goddard because he's going to be back in that four-game window and you have to activate Tyree Jackson, yeah, just carry four tight ends for a couple weeks. There, There's inactive guys every week anyway on the back end of the roster. Just carry four for, for two weeks. Sometimes you have to do these types of things. Um, right, but you mentioned Togiai as well. Um, that would well, he's fine. not going to be on the 53. He's on the practice squad. You don't have to worry about him unless somebody comes in out of nowhere and wants to sign him off the practice squad, which isn't going to happen. Uh, you don't have to worry about him. He's on the practice squad. You can elevate him on game day and simply toggle back and forth. The issue is Calcaterra, because Calcaterra is not ready to play, but they, they're afraid they would lose him if they put him on waivers and tried to get him on the practice squad. So they're going to keep him on the roster. Um, my assumption is they're going to activate Tyree Jackson today. Now they already have the spot because they didn't fill it for, for Avante Maddox. So they already have the spot right there for Tyree Jackson. And then you have four tight ends on the 53. If Dallas Goddard is healthy enough, to where he's not going to miss those four games. And if he's not going to miss those four games, you don't want to put him on IR. So you got to carry four tight ends. That's that's it's okay for a couple of weeks. Yeah, I think you're underselling the importance at the bottom of the roster and the juggling of the right. roster. Right, they're not going to play, Jody. You have to inactive. You have to inactive uh, six guys minimum every week. So – I right, say, so do you do you want to go through the exercise of trying to figure out who the six guys are going to be this week? And uh, they're going to be at least one over, if not two, depending on um, uh, whether Goddard does or doesn't go to IR. Um, who are those guys? They're not going to be able to play. And then that's going to leave you a little bit short at a specific position. If you've got four tight ends and or five, if you're suggesting, Togi, I could be called up. You're going to be left short at some position, John, with depth. No, they're not. not they're, 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 they're not playing. So Dallas Goddard's inactive. Ian Book's inactive. Trey Sermon's inactive. Josh Schill's inactive. All these guys are the same guys every week. Sue Pett is now on the inactive list. These guys are all inactive every single week. Now, you can make – if you're going to say Calcaterra is not ready to play, just make him inactive. Elevate Tungiai, and then you have Stoll and Tyree Jackson and Tungiai as your game day tight ends. Goddard's inactive. He's on the inactive list, but you got to carry him because he's not playing. 
Uh, Calcaterra, you can just make him inactive, but he's on the 53-man roster. My point is that you're baked in. So are you, are you on to end Tyree Jackson? Yeah, he's one of the three. I'm saying this is the decision. The decision is who do you want to play this week, Tyree Jackson or Grant Calcaterra? If, if, if Tyree Jackson isn't ready, it's simple. You just don't activate him. He's done for the season. If they think Tyree Jackson is healthy and ready to play, they got to put him on the 53. Right. And they got to carry so who four do you tight think ends. He's going to come off the 53 that were um, active on the uh, 53 this week. Who do you think comes off with Tyree Jackson's addition? Nobody. They already have a spot open because they put a Monte Maddox on injured reserve. They didn't replace him on the roster yet. So right okay. now they're at 52. They have a spot for Tyree Jackson if they want it. If they want it. Um, they don't have to cut anybody. They don't have to do anything from that perspective because Avante Maddox is on IR. Jordan Davis is on IR. Now, when those guys right. come so back, you, then you have more Do you difficulty. think they're a little short at the corner this week, having not brought somebody up to replace Avante Maddox? No, because you have the practice squad elevation. So last week, they elevated uh, Mario Goodrich. Uh, not last week, Monday night. They, they elevated. And let me ask you a question about this. Cause you understand the roster juggling better than I do. Um, how many guys can you elevate in any one week? Two, from two practice squad guys that don't count against the 53. No, they, they don't count against the 53. They count on the game day roster. So you can elevate them um, and put them on the game day roster. If they're not on the 53 and they can toggle back and forth between the the active game day roster in but you you have to count them on the game day roster right so, if they're gonna if they're gonna play then yeah. surely they're gonna count on the 48 um so you can have upper upwards of two guys elevated from the practice squad every week but you can only do that three times with a player right correct Where you elevate them by the fourth time you have to make them part of the fifth official 53 correct so you're and, you're guessing this week it could be Tungi and maybe another defensive back because they were a little short there because they didn't replace Maddox with anybody on the 53. Well, and that depends if Josh Job is healthy. Uh, last week, Josh Job, a lot of people forget, wasn't uh, active as well. So that's one of the reasons they elevated. They, they were down two corners, and that's one of the reasons they elevated uh, Mario Goodrich, who didn't even play, by the way, Joe. Right. Didn't play. Um, and, and that's my point of the back end of the roster. A lot of these guys don't even play Well, the inactive guys, obviously, I mean, Ian book, Trey sermon, Josh, uh, Sills every week, they're part yeah, of it. And uh, yeah. so that's when I say, when I say people overrate the back end of the rock, I mean, these guys aren't playing anyway. So you, you can, you can make people inactive and Dallas got you know, going in, look, the question with Dallas Goddard is simple. Is he going to miss four games or not? If he's going to miss four games, you just put him on IR like, like Maddox and, and Jordan Davis. If he's not, you got to carry him, but that's fine because he's going to be inactive on game day and, and you have to make people inactive on game day anyway. So it, it's just a couple of weeks. You have to, you have to have more tight ends than, 
probably you're going to have. Then when Abonte Maddox and Jordan Davis come back, you're probably going to cut a tight end, to be honest. And one of the things that the Eagles know that we don't know is exactly how long Dallas Goddard is going to be out. And shoot, the Eagles might not know it either, but they have more information than you and I do. We're just guessing and speculating here. The Eagles have a better grasp of, is it going to be two weeks? Is it going to be three weeks? Might it be four weeks? And if it's between three or four, do you make that call and say, yeah, for roster maneuvering uh, abilities, chances are he's going to be out the fourth week, so let's put him on IR. Or do you desperately want him available for that fourth week if you believe he will be available for that fourth week, even if he's not 100%? That's the questions that are being asked in Howie Roseman's uh, office these days uh, with all of the doctors, all the people who advise Eagles as to how hurt players are. Uh, we don't have those answers, but that's what we do here on Birds 365. We speculate, and we uh, get others to join us to help us in on the speculation. We got two good guests coming your way today. Our buddy Mike Gill from uh, Down the Shore 97.3, the Sports Bash, is going to hop aboard coming up in the next five minutes or so. And in an hour number two, we haven't had E.J. Smith from the Inquirer on in a couple of months. Uh, good, it'll be good to catch up with E.J. You haven't had him on. I uh, look forward to talking to him in hour number two. All right, not great news. Eagles lose their first game of the year against the Commanders on uh, Monday night. Tuesday, they find out they're going to be without Dallas Goddard for multiple weeks. We're debating how much multiple weeks are and what kind of effect it's going to have on the Eagles. We'll talk about it for the next couple hours right here on Birds 365. Don't wait until after Thanksgiving for leftovers. It's the new leftover sales event at Jeff D'Ambrosio Destination Downingtown. Jeff must get rid of hundreds of new 2022 vehicles on the lot. Rams, Grand Cherokees, Wranglers, Jeff has them all for less. Jeff has reduced prices and payments to the lowest they've been all year. And Jeff knocks down high interest rates, save thousands more than anywhere else. Plus, get more for any trade or lease return. You always win at Jeff's great selection, best price. Hurry in now. Jeff D'Ambrosio Destination Downingtown. Nobody treats you better. Black Friday sales event. At Pond Lee Hockey, we've recovered billions of dollars for our clients, and we're confident we can do the same for you. With over 250 years of combined courtroom experience, we've helped over 100,000 injured clients obtain some of the largest settlements in Pennsylvania. One conversation is all it takes to help you and your family get back on track. If you've been injured in an accident, give Pond Lee Hockey a call. Go for the beers, go for the cheers, go for the hit and the hits, go for the scene, go for the screens, go for the gallery, go for the win, go to Ocean.
At Salus University, our graduates are among the most highly trained in their profession because of our unique emphasis on research, interprofessional collaboration, and early clinical exposure. Learn more about our programs at salus.edu. Wednesday morning here on Bird Street 65. You got John McMullen, Jody McDonald, and our pal from down the shore from 97.3 ESPN, the sports bash, Mike Gill, who is proud of Always repping West Virginia. West Virginia, drinking Stein. He's using. I hope there's uh, adult beverages in there if you're talking about West Virginia. You better start drinking early in the morning. They finally fired the AD, man. I feel like a new direction's coming for. Uh, you know, the football program feels good. Feels good to get rid of uh, when you fire somebody, right? Uh, I don't know. Well, we already got the let's fire Jonathan. It's amazing, Mike. Um, we go from 17 and 0. Uh, is, is this team going to be perfect to how is this team going to win a game over the next two months? Crazy. It, it, it's amazing. How do these people live? How do these people I don't know. Live? I said yesterday on my show, guys, I would love. Maybe not. I don't know that I want to torture myself. I would love to sit and watch because I watch games by myself. I need to sit in my house and take notes and watch by myself. I can't have like distraction. But for one week, I would love to sit with these people and just hear the reactions. (laughs) You know, I used to host a show with Darwin Walker, who played on those Jim Johnson teams. I might have told the story before, but he said to me, You know, Jim Johnson said, I don't care how many yards we give up. I don't care. Between the 20s, give up as many yards as you want. Don't care. 17 points. That's the number. 17 points. Don't give up touchdowns. Give up field goals. So essentially, John Gannon's doing that. If you took off the name plant, John Gannon's name, and slapped on Jim Johnson, I guarantee you these people would not dislike John Gannon as much. That's my hunch. Yeah, yeah. Except they gave up more than 17 this week against the... This week, no. yes. But on general, they uh, have... We're been... talking about after this week's game. So what are they... They're not going to go back to week two and go, yeah, but we held them under 17. They're going to talk about the fact that the commanders scored more points. They complained then too, Jody Mack. They complained the team gives up. Look, did they play good defense Monday night? No, they did not. Did not. There's a lot of layers here, though. Uh, they gave up three points in the second half. Hello, offense, three and outs. Uh, you don't have to do them every single time. Did they make adjustments too late? Yeah, here's the problem. The Eagles made their adjustments in the second half. They gave up three points. They didn't score until late in the game. They fumbled the ball three times. But if they made an adjustment, this is like the old, hey, if you would have left Zach Wheeler in the game, he would have figured out a way to get out of that inning. We're just assuming if they change the way their defense looked that Washington was going to stop running the ball on them. The Eagles don't have the personnel really to stop the run. That's a flaw of the roster construction, not so much the um, the game plan in that game. They're too small up front. Their linebackers are too small. Washington, give them credit. Who runs the ball 49 times in 2022? Nobody. Washington said, we're going to do it. And guess what? I guarantee you Jeff Saturday, who's been there for five minutes, is going to say, 
I'm going to do the same thing. So get ready for it. Do the Eagles have the personnel this week all of a sudden magically to stop the run? Eh, that'll be that'll be challenging. Yeah, and it will be challenging. And that's the one criticism that I think is valid. Um, and we're going to talk about it. And before you got here, Mike, we talked about it. Now you got to see it on both sides of the football because you're going to be without Dallas Goddard for at least a couple weeks. Um, and you mentioned the adjustments weren't made quick enough. The biggest adjustment being uh, Jordan Davis. You don't have a backup for Jordan Davis. We've been talking about this since the spring. They signed that uh, Noah Elise kid. I thought he had a chance to make the 53, got hurt. Um, just because he's a 340-pound run-stuffing nose tackle, but he's not available. They don't have that player. They don't really have a player for Dallas Goddard to be what to be a backup. You can play a tight end, but you can't ask him to do what Dallas Goddard does. Nope. That's not the way this works. So you have to play a little bit of a different way. That, I think, is a valid criticism. The defense, too late. Maybe you got to play Nicobe Dean instead of Josiah Scott. Maybe you got to take a D back off the field. Um, offensively, we kind of saw it with AJ Brown because he wasn't healthy. You got to play a different way when AJ Brown's not 100% when you don't have Dallas Goddard. Maybe Miles Sanders has to be more involved. Maybe the running game. Maybe take advantage of the offensive line. This is the first test of that coaching staff. And I think they've been slow to react to these significant injuries yeah and the question is what did they what was the adjustment what did they do in the second half of that not that you know they only gave up three points so what did they do in the second half to limit Washington's scoring um I watched some of this film back because I'm watching Marlon and Marvin Williams the two nose tackles they're getting blown off the ball seven yards I mean literally Seven yards, they got blown off the ball. These yeah. teams are doubling on the nose. The nose tackle's getting blown back five yards, so he's in the way of the linebacker, then getting pushed into the safety. They had 10 guys in the box, 10 in the box. And the problem was one nose guard got blocked and took two of them out on multiple plays. The guard's pulling around. He's taking out the other linebacker. It's pretty simple what these teams are doing. They're saying, you're going to put a nose on us. He's not big enough. We'll double him. We'll crack down on Fletcher Cox. And then, boom, our running back just gets a little sliver. That's not the best running back you're about to face. So these other running backs are going to see that little hole and really get through it. So what can the adjustment be? If they take that nose off, you mentioned Dean. He's not a run stuffer. I mean, Mike Singletary's not coming out in the field and making stops. He's not filling the gap and sticking his nose in there and making tackles. So they got some big problems coming forward here if they're going to stick with the five-man front. But if they take the five-man front off the field, I don't necessarily think they have the personnel to fix that issue either because they simply don't have a run-stuffing linebacker. Yeah, but isn't Nicobe Dean replacing Josiah Scott in the Knicks? Yeah. If the other team's not putting three wide receivers out there, you put another linebacker out there, you take your extra DB off, isn't that an upgrade against the run, putting Nicobe Dean in over Josiah Scott? It's an upgrade over Josiah Scott, but let's not sit here and say Nicobe Dean is Mike Singletary stepping in there and making tackles. He's a sideline-to-sideline guy who's out there because he's an athletic. That's the problem with the linebackers in today's game. 
They are not run stoppers. They are not guys who are going to plug well, holes. TJ is, to be fair, TJ. TJ Edwards is, yes. But the problem with TJ Edwards was he was the guy who was getting yeah. lasted by well, the here, here, here would be – this is what I would do. Um, not that it matters, but I wouldn't play the five-man front. I play the traditional Jim Swartz more like four-man front, which they do anyway. They toggle back and forth between five and, and four. And that's where – so you're not playing a, a strict nose tackle. You're playing a three technique, which Fletcher Cox and Javon Hargrave and Bill Williams are more comfortable doing. Then you have the guy who, who, who sort of toggles between two – maybe a little shade, but not a direct nose tackle where you're not going to demand the double team like Jordan Davis. Um, And then you have the three traditional linebackers. And I'm not talking about Hassan Reddick because it drives me crazy. Well, Hassan Reddick's the third one. No, he's an edge rusher. So stop with that disingenuous nonsense. I'm talking about three traditional linebackers, middle linebacker, Sam linebacker, weak side linebacker, and that's where I would have N'Kobe Dean as that extra linebacker. You're taking Josiah Scott, the nickelback, on the field. And by the way, yeah. I told Jody I wouldn't do that if Bonte Maddox was here. But that's a significant downgrade. So you're not getting that much help from Josiah Scott when it comes to the other stuff. And at least then you have guys filling the gap. It's one gap. It's, 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 it's easier. It's more comfortable. But it's not, it's a change, and it's a short-term change that maybe helps you a little bit. I think you're right, Mike. They're never going to be a great run-defending team uh, without Jordan Davis. But you have to do something. You have to do something. they, They built this team to play with the lead, attack the passer, get turnovers. They got a strip sack fumble on Monday night and turned it into points. They got an interception. When they had the lead, they played and did what their defense is built to do. Their defense is not built to say, hey, you're going to get into a fist fight with us, and we're going to have to sit there and try to stop the run 49 times. They're saying, look, if you want to run the ball all night on us and shorten the game, all right, we might have to get into that game every once in a while. But look who the leaders are. Is Buffalo running the ball? Is Kansas City running the ball? Is Minnesota going to ground and pound you? These teams that you're ultimately going to have to beat, you're putting your roster together to beat the elites. It's the teams like Washington and Indianapolis who have less talent who yeah. then try to navy the game yeah. up on you that you now are not built to, you know, styles make fights. And your style is not to beat Washington. It's to beat Buffalo and Kansas City. And therefore, throughout a 17-week season, you're going to have these challenges that you got to figure out for a week or two. Right, but here's the problem with that. If you're talking about a, a Minnesota team, all right, uh, I think their back actually could go for a buck fifty against you. Now they like to throw the football as well they should because they've got a talented wide receiver core and maybe the best in Justin Jefferson. But if they need to, they can uh, adjust and just uh, run the ball as well. You got to get to the playoffs first. And the Eagles were sitting pretty at eight zero, and now they've got some teams on their schedule that look like they can do what the Eagles are having trouble defending. Uh, you know, we were talking, oh, could they go 17-0? and 0? Now we're back into the conversation. Is 12 or 13 going to be enough to keep the home field advantage throughout the playoffs? Because I think that's pretty important, too. Uh, matchups are certainly important, but having the games at the link are pretty damn important for a playoff run, too, Mike. 
Yeah, I mean, look, I, I thought these games got overlooked, and I thought they overlooked Washington a little bit. I mean, there's a lot into this Washington thing. You know, uh, obviously, Rivera's mother passes. They obviously had a lot of emotion there. All of this got overlooked. You know, the fact that Tyler Heineke's playing maybe his last game, and I'm sure he had that on his mind. Of I'm going to show everybody that I shouldn't be replaced. So I think the Eagles kind of overlooked this team, and there's a malaise of a season over 17 weeks, we demand perfection that just isn't happening. They didn't play well on either side of the ball. But I would say, even if they're not stopping the run like the other night, all right, they did not do a good job. They gave up 3.1 yards of carry, which is convoluted because some of these short yard stops bring the average down. But for the most part, you know, Washington ran it 49 times at three and a half, three, three yards, not even three and a half yards. I think most weeks you would say, if you're going to run 49 times at three yards a clip, we'll be okay with that. The problem yeah. is, they turned the ball over four to- three times. The fourth one is out the window. If they don't turn the ball over, we're probably not yelling and screaming about the fact that they lost the game. So while they're going to look ugly in some of these games because the styles of these games are not going to be conducive to the way their roster is built, they should out-talent some of these teams. They should have out-talented Washington the other night, but they fumbled the ball multiple times. If Quez Watkins just stays down, do they win that game? Likely. If Dallas Goddard doesn't fumble there and get his face mask yanked off, does that drive continue and lead to points? Potentially. So this team is built to score more points and cause turnovers. The turnover, they were a plus 15 entering that game. At one week, you are going to have a week where that number flips. You can't be a plus 15 all season long. And I think it caught them. I think Indianapolis is an issue, though, because they're going to run the ball. The question is, can Indianapolis run the ball with such efficiency that they're going to score 28 points? Philadelphia should be able to put up 27 to 30 points against this team. And that's where, if you're a good team, Jody, you should be able to get through some of these matchups that are not conducive to your style and yet still win the game. Because you're right. The home field advantage is a huge, big, big thing that they had a stretch of games here where Dallas is playing Minnesota this week, where you have a chance to kind of pull away and losing this game kept those teams in the mix. Um, you're, you're right. We talked about that on your show, the complimentary, complimentary na- nature of football. Um and I don't think the offense held up. I, I, I think the defense is getting all the criticism. They were the ones up against it without the significant uh, starter. Offensively, all right, the Eagles lost, as we said, A.J. Brown from an effectiveness standpoint. He gutted it out yeah. uh, during the game. Now they're going to be without Dallas Goddard. I don't think the offense – I think the offense got a pass for that game in Washington. You mentioned the turnovers. That's a big part of it. You know, maybe it was karma. You know, Nick Sirianni, Jonathan Gannon, balking at the term luck or randomness, whatever you want to use, it's going to bite you at some point. Um, but I don't think the offense as a whole held up its end of the bargain when sometimes you got to gotta pick it up. They and, were and terrible. Those three and outs. Those three, three and, out. and outs, Mike. They had a three and out right before the half that I thought was crucial. Yeah. They get the ball back. They run a three and out for 30 seconds. They were on yeah. the field for yeah. 30 seconds. They were going Chip Kelly, tempo. Yes, and, and it's funny. The time of possession was the biggest lopsided since 2015. Who was the coach? Yeah. Chip Kelly. 
the defense, which which got gashed, was on the field at a minute and a half every single time. They had a three and out to end the half, right? They give Washington points that they didn't deserve. So it's 20 to 14. They come right back. They get the kickoff, and they go three and out again. You come out of halftime and go three and out. They had three three and outs in the second half, or four three and outs in the second half of that game, I think, that absolutely put the defense right back out on the field. A defense that's not capable of stopping the run. Now you're telling them to go right back out there. I thought the offense, again, you're right, John, did not get enough. Uh, I, I don't... They came right out like gangbusters. They scored two touchdowns. They had a nice drive. They had a 12 well, play they had a short field, too. They had an 18-yard field. So yeah. the defense deserves credit for that one. But the second well. drive was a good drive that they scored the second touchdown. And then they had the 12-play drive where they scored, and you felt like, all right, it's 23-21. They're back in this game. They got the interception. Then the, the face mask happens, and that kind of changes the complexion of that game. But the three and outs really changed, I think, the complexion of that game. Oh, by the way, uh, you mentioned, Mike, and the Eagles scored 28 points in this game coming up against the Colts. Colts have not given up 28 points yet this year in any of their games. So their defense is not too shabby. You don't just pencil, all right, we'll pencil the Eagles in. Oh, Suns, Dallas, Goddard, let's pencil the Eagles in for 28 points against a team that hasn't given up 28 points yet this year. That's a kind of tough penciling well, to do. And Jody, I, I think you're right. They're 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 an interesting team because I think most of us, if you were, if this was Birds 365 in August and you were talking about predictions, we'd probably say Indianapolis is a playoff team. I think, right? We thought yeah. they had a roster. They were just a quarterback play away. Uh, they've just gone through quarterback and quarterback and quarterback, and they've been right there, even with the switches and quarterbacks. They've been on the cusp. Matt Ryan, finally, they get this veteran to kind of stabilize things much like Rivers did, and it's been a disaster. I think the Saturday move really re-changed the complexion of that team to simplify things and just kind of be a – the whole Saturday thing, We could I could do a, a week's worth of shows yeah. on Saturday. I I'm love here. this conversation. Yeah. Um, I think Saturday showed exactly what – goes on in this league. You have a fraud like Josh McDaniels who has no business being a leader of men and running a team who has been there since mini camp, training camp, 10 weeks of the regular season, and he can't prepare his team enough to beat a guy who's been there five minutes. You know why? Go home and spend time with your wives, you fraud coaches. <laughs> Go home and spend time with your family. Oh, I need to sleep in my office. No, you don't. Simplify the game plan and do what works. Hand the ball off to the best player on the field. And guess what, Josh McDaniels? Your fraud team couldn't handle it. And yeah. hopefully, jo Jeff Saturday doesn't prove the Eagles coaches are spending too much time in the office and simplifies the game plan because that would be a huge worry. Yeah, I mean, you're right. I, I think you know, way too many people – Look, and, and coaching is more important in the NFL than I think any other professional sport. Totally agree on that, by the way. I think that's totally fair, fair to say. But at the end of the day, it is about the players. It is about the talent. Darius Slay had his worst game of the year. Um, Fletcher Cox had his worst game of the year. Um, you mentioned the turnovers on the offensive side of the ball. Um certainly the worst performance from that perspective. And that's what the Eagles care about. They care about turnovers, explosive plays. They're the worst performance of the year when it came to turnovers. Um, it's the players, man. 
suppliers. But the players, Darius Slay's got to play better. And John, I had people yesterday. I don't take calls. I can't deal with people on the phone anymore. So we have text messages that come in nonstop all day, and people are texting. Darius Slay got worked. Okay, he did not have a good game. Am I supposed to panic and say Darius Slay? No, he's a good player. He's going to bounce back. What am I going to do? Do I say put Mario Goodrich in the game and replace (laughs) Darius Slay? Like, if that's your main complaint, like if I gave you one text message to my show, complain, and your text was Darius Slay, well, then I feel pretty good. Like, if you're nitpicking that Slay was your issue – Okay, you had a bad game. You're not going to play 17. But my, I guess my game. point is, you're right. Darius Slay's going to bounce back. I have no questions about that. He had a bad right. game. He didn't play up to his usual standard. He's going to bounce back. My point is, though, like, how do you blame that on Jonathan Gannon? Like, people assume, well, Jonathan Gannon's got to get Darius Slay playing better. I mean, what? I, you know. He didn't play up to his standards. Slay was the first one to say that after after the game. Um, he's doing the same stuff he's doing every other week. My question is, when it comes to the coaches, and I'll throw Nick and, and Shane in it as well, when you're turning the football, when like, what are you going to do? Nick Sirianni gets out there, jumps on his sword for Quetz Watkins. I got to do a better job. I got to put him in drills where he understands that. No. That's a bad play by Quez Watkins. I, you know, that that part is, I don't get why people don't, why they think coaches are this magical sound, yeah. whatever you want like, to call it. Where they're because going. on two, whatever days they're out there on the practice field, if you're hitting the guy with whatever apparatus to try to get him to not fumble, and you did it 250 times. Well, he should have been out there for 300 times, and he wouldn't have fumbled that ball. Look, it happened. He fumbled the ball. Um, Nick Sirianni, as you said, took it. Oh, we got to do better job of teaching them ball security. No, he fumbled the ball. He got up. He didn't realize there was someone behind him. The guy did a good job. Sometimes you credit the defender. He didn't secure the ball very well. Now, is Quez Watkins, who through 10 weeks of the season, to my recollection, hasn't fumbled the football, caught the ball 50 yards down the field, and then fell down, tried to get back up. Is that exact thing going to happen again? I can't see it. And if it does, potentially they'll lose again. But if that is a week-to-week occurrence, yeah, you're in trouble. But this team has, through eight weeks of the season, given us a sample size big enough to say they take care of the football, right? that Darius Slay generally is not going to get worked by the other opponent, the opponent's receiver. So I'm not going to sit here and panic all of a sudden that they're a team that fumbles and that Darius Slay all of a sudden can't play. Here's my concern, Mike and John, as I said yesterday here on Bird 365. Two guys came up real small defensively for the Philadelphia Eagles, two of their higher-profile guys, two of their higher-honored guys, and two of their higher-paid guys, Darius Slay, Fletcher Cox. I'm 100% with both you guys. Guess what? I'm throwing Slay out there for 100% of the plays again this week and believing he's not going to have as bad a game as he did this past uh, week against the Commanders. I don't know that about Fletcher Cox. I don't know that Fletcher Cox doesn't have the same game this week and get pushed around without Jordan Davis to make the blockers play him differently. I don't know that Fletcher doesn't come up small again this week 
do you just throw him out there for his standard number of Fletcher plays? Or do you try and cut back, do things differently? Gannon's well, got to be able to adjust. We all agree he didn't adjust enough this past game against the Commanders. How much is Fletcher's playing time in question? That one's interesting. Um, I'm going back through, and John, I uh, have the play, uh, the snaps here. Um, the two backup tackles played, what, 38 and 37 plays. That yeah. means they used the nose a bunch in that game, right? They kept rotating those guys, what, uh, 45% of the time they played a, an extra line guy. Fletcher played 70 snaps. Epps was 83. So imagine the, the secondary guys played almost all the snaps. So Fletcher came off the field. He was on the field 84% of the time. The question would be a then. Lot. What's that? That's a lot. It's a lot. 84 yeah. is a lot. The question would be then. That? If you're using the two guys at nose because Jordan Davis isn't here and they're rotating together, who's rotating in with Fletcher to take his snaps? Who, who's available to get more playing time in that role? And I guess that would be the problem right now. But I agree that Fletcher Cox week to week doesn't need to play 70 snaps. Maybe he would be more effective if you lessened them. But do they have another... I, I'm trying to go through my – is Milton Williams a guy who's going to play that spot? You know, I don't know how many snaps did he get, 38? I mean, is he going to take that role and get well, more Well, he's already time? getting upgrading snaps because, as you mentioned, Davis isn't there. They're still using the five-man fronts. Um, now, you could have elevated Marvin Wilson again. They didn't. But, you know, you hear it with quarterbacks. I saw it with Arthur Smith. He's getting all the questions down in Atlanta. And he gave the old stock answer. Marcus Mariota gives us the best chance to win. Same thing in Indy, by the way. Matt Ryan isn't maybe what Matt Ryan was, but he gives him the best chance to win. I think the same thing applies here. Nobody talks about it at other positions. Why does Fletcher Cox play as much? He gives them the best chance to win. He's he's they 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 don't have another way to go. Well, that's so the thing. It's like I said with Darius there. Slay. He, 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 there's no one. If Slay's having a bad game, you're not just taking him no, out and putting yeah. someone in. If Fletcher Cox is having a bad game, I guess my question back to you, Jody, would be: Who should get more snaps? Do they have another defensive tackle that you're like, why aren't they giving this guy more snaps? I would say Milton Williams. Okay, and he's but then, playing. But then, but then you have that. You have that top, like Milton's already playing more snaps than he's ever played before. That might be a career high. I'd have to look it up. There's probably an injury game. He played 38 snaps yeah, on Sunday. He played a lot of snaps. Yeah. So you're going to put him up at 70 and put uh, Fletcher down at 38? Never done it before. No, John. There, no, there, I think there's there's maybe a nice even middle between work. those two numbers, Johnny Mac. Yeah. No, I, think I, I didn't can... say flip-flop the two. I just said... It was a weird week in yeah. that the, the defense played so many snaps, and that's where the complimentary aspect of it uh, comes in. The offense has to do a better job. So they're not going to play 83 snaps every that's week. Probably to well, I, think, and I think where this conversation all leads back to is something we talked about a couple weeks ago, is how much they're missing – how they call their defense with Jordan Davis not there. He allowed them to do a lot of things that Fletcher Cox doesn't have to get worried about being doubled because they got to double and triple sometimes Jordan Davis. And with him not there, they are absolutely getting squashed on the nose. So you yeah. have to either, A, think about getting out of and that. And people, that, I, I, it drives me insane. It drives me insane, and I already saw it in the comments. 
well, Jordan Davis doesn't play that much. I don't know how many times I have to say this. It's about first down getting the second down instead down of and first yep. and down ten distance. and right. second and ten. Or John, second. the game the other night is the prime example. You're talking about it now. The down and distance on first, if they win first down, the whole complexion changes yes. how you call your defense. Now you, if the other team wins on first down, now they have set the tone of your personnel and they set the way that they want to call plays. If you win first down, you set the tone of what they have to call. And Davis not being out there is clearly – look, the whole offseason, they trade up to get this guy. They go out and get pass rusher after pass – you know, and they trade it for a pass rusher, which we can get into. I don't know if we have enough time, but Robert Quinn is doing Zippo. Yeah. They went out and got pass rush, pass rush. They bulk up their secondary. They cover fantastically. The defense is predicated on this guy in the middle, down and distance, winning, and then having turnovers, forcing turnovers, plus 15. The blueprint that they put together is happening. It's not happening on Monday night football because Jordan Davis is not there. And by the way, it didn't happen on Thursday night football because we weren't watching. We were watching the Phillies. They didn't play very well in that game either because Jordan Davis and the defense was all discombobulated. They either have to, A, ride through this rough patch for the next couple of weeks and hope he gets back out there and is in shape and can play enough plays to get the snap counts back to where he was. Or you're going to be in shootouts and struggle week to week, and you're going to have to take care of the football and win with your offense. Yeah, so real quick, guys, I got the numbers. So in, in, you know, Washington was 9 of 12 in the first half on third down, third down. which is unacceptable. They finished 12 of 21, so they got a lot better in the second half. 11 of those 21 third downs were third and one or, or third and two or third and three, so up to third and three. They were 8 of 11 on those. 8 of 11 when it's third and three or less, and then do the math. 8 of 11 turns into 4 of 10, which is more acceptable. It's not brain surgery. If you're third and short, it's easy for the offense. If it's third and longer, it's more difficult. And that's how, obviously, the Eagles and everybody else wants to play. That's where Jordan Davis affects the game. That's where he affects the game. Second and long, third and long. They don't have as many second and third and longs because he's not on the field on first down. All right, Mike, uh, we've had uh, a good session of second-guessing the coaches and numbers of snaps played here today, so I'm going to ask you to do it in advance. We know Dallas Goddard is out of the lineup this week. How they're going to replace him, who they're going to replace him with, how the offense is going to look without him. Does the offense do it a little differently than defense did, which was try and replace Jordan Davis, when they don't really have a guy who can replace Jordan Davis, rather than turn the whole defense around and do it differently, will they try and go different uh, type offense without Dallas Scott? Go four wide receiver sets. Yeah. We'll just deal with the tight end for today. Who's going to get Dallas Goddard snaps on Sunday? I would imagine. Is Tyree Jackson John going to be activated? Uh, well, no, today. Okay. Uh, well, I would day. imagine that it will be a collective collaborative effort at that position. But I would I would think they're going to go differently than the defense will. And they will implore more Zach Pascal, and you'll see more four wides. And they will basically 
Now, it depends. Where's A.J. Brown's health? Can they feature him more this week? That we don't know. I guess we'll find those answers out today. But I would think the offense will go a little bit different than the defense because they have the capability to. They have the personnel that they can alter their thought process. I mean, you can't just stick some guy and play nose who's not equipped to play nose. But I can play four wides. I have those. I can do a little bit more. Um, so I don't think you're going to see Jack Stahl all of a sudden become a fantasy football pickup because uh, he's yeah, taking over the that. Dallas Goddard role. Yeah. Uh, Grant Calcaterra has one catch for 40 yards, but I doubt that he will get very many during this spot here. And if Tyree Jackson's healthy, he would be interesting. The question is, how often are those guys going to be on the field? I think you'll see more of Zach Pascal now in the offense, more featuring Devonta Smith. A.J. Brown, I think those guys will have to basically, or will not have to because they can, will have bigger uh, outputs during this stretch without Goddard. But just as challenging as losing Avante Maddox and Jordan Davis. We're forgetting Maddox not being out there too because, again, he's helpful in the run game. Josiah Scott, Buckus in the run game. Losing Goddard is probably the one guy on the offense, A.J. Brown, obviously. But, you know, Devonta Smith could probably hold his own for a week or two. But you do not have a suitable replacement, so you're going to have to do something different. And I think they will. You'll see more wide receiver action this week. I, uh, I just got a text here. Is Grant Calcaterra says, tell Gill one reception, one target, 40 yards. Yeah. That's a pretty good average. You keep up um, that so pace. I gave it to him. I had those numbers off the top of my head, Jody. Come on. Yeah. Yeah, nice you made it sound like pace. he's got no chance to be the man this week when he's got the best per catch reception in the entire oh. National Football League. He What's made- wrong with you, Gil? I don't think uh, he's going to get enough snaps to uh, to get the targets. And by the way, like. also he gets three snaps at forty per. That's one hundred and twenty yards. Not that ain't help the Eagles win the very, game. Very Deshaun Jackson esque. A very daunting situation uh, the Eagles are in because they're facing the head coach with the greatest winning percentage in NFL. I do, yeah. Uh, yeah. Jeff, Jeff Saturday, yeah. And I would imagine that uh, he will simplify the game. He probably watched that tape and had a big old smile and said, you know what? Yeah, another win. Lineman, man. Another yeah. win for the big uglies up there. Yeah. Jonathan Taylor left, Jonathan Taylor right, and Jonathan Taylor up the middle. Eagles better be ready for it, more ready than they were for the commander's running attack. Mr. Gill, always a pleasure. Thank you much for jumping on board. We'll talk to you again next week, big guy. All right, guys. See ya. Thanks, Sports Mike. Bash, 97.3 ESPN down the shore. Mike Gill here with us on Birds 365. All right, coming back. Hour number two, good get EJ Smith up. I haven't had EJ on in weeks. Very much looking forward to talking to him. Uh, John and I will continue to... Uh, talk about, speculate a little bit on what Sunday's game against the Colts is going to look like now that they know they're going to be without Dallas Goddard. And also, yes, about the defense and how they can be better stopping the run, knowing their big man in the middle isn't going to be there again this week with Jordan Davis still out. And the fact that Nick Sirianni, first time I can remember in a while, actually for me, and now you got to do a little reading in between the lines, but he did call one of his uh, fellow coaches on the staff out a little bit this week. I want to get John McMullen's take on that next. Jordan McDonald and Johnny Mac here with you on Birds 365. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. 
Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. The Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. Since 1977 at Rafferty Subaru, we have always been about our customers and the community. Early on, a safe and durable option, we've evolved to become the best overall brand according to Kelly Blue Book. Over the last 14 years, we've donated thousands of dollars through the Subaru Share the Love event and found homes for hundreds of pets. The Rafferty family is proud of our 45 years in business. This month, celebrate our anniversary with special financing on select models. Visit us and see why. The greatest fans on earth. It's a bold statement, but would you expect anything less from Philadelphia? 58 years of heartache creates a toughness, a grit, a resolve not found in most. Sure, our prayers were answered, but now that we've had a taste, we're looking for more. Pondley Hockey, official partner of the Philadelphia Eagles. Hi everybody, my name is Jason Lombardi. I'm an inspector at DryTech. At DryTech we offer three major services. The first one being basement waterproofing. The second service we offer is foundation and structural repairs. And then the third service that we offer is mold remediation. If you feel you are having a waterproofing issue, give DryTech a call or check us out online. Welcome back, guys. Here with you on Birds 365. EJ Smith to join us in less than 20 minutes from now. Uh, we'll talk all things Eagles with EJ from the Enquirer. Um, yeah, John, one of the things I got on my note uh, sheet today was, again, to ask you about Nick Sirianni actually kind of calling out one of his fellow coaches. Um, in his postgame press conference, he did say the Eagles needed to be quicker to react and make changes when things aren't going well on defense. 
which to me is kind of an unfettered shot at Jonathan Gannon, that he's calling Gannon out that he didn't react quickly enough to the fact that these uh, skins were uh, the skins. The commanders were uh, able to continually move the chains and move the chains and move the chain. All right, no big plays, no splash plays. Uh, death by a thousand paper cuts. A death is a death is a death. And oh, by the way, the head coach thought the defensive coordinator didn't do enough to stop those paper cuts. When was the last time Sirianni really called out one of his fellow coaches on his staff? I, I, I have to look. Where are you referencing? I know he mentioned something. I didn't come across. Obviously, I was at the press conference. It didn't come across to me like he was calling out uh, Jonathan Gannon. Um, now, Nick doesn't call out anybody. I mean, Nick. if anything, Nick is right, the exact opposite. I'll, he blames- I'll, and again, I don't have the quote in front of me, but I, I remember. I saw it. I heard it. He said, we need to react quicker to uh, specifically talking about defense uh, to what the other team is doing. Um, I'm, I'm pretty close to quoting that I'm paraphrasing, but I'm damn close to quoting it. Um, I don't know how you don't take that as second guessing, uh, Gannon. Yeah. I, I mean, Nick in general doesn't, you know, he takes too much responsibility for things that aren't his responsibility. He's the right. Opposite. Oh, that, that I could give you a thousand examples yeah. of him taking bullets for himself. I'm saying it's, it's so infrequent that he does actually kind of put the blame on somebody else that's why it stood out to me uh well i'm just looking i'm I'm pulling up i he 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 said i do think the adjustments we made were good but we can't start off flat we can't let them get 20 and then go in there and go from there so we have to do even better sometimes when the offense is i think we had one where we turned it over so the defense was out there a lot and that's hard it's a full team game offense goes. So to me, he was, he was putting as much pressure on his offense as the defense, but I don't know. People can take things uh, the way they take things. I just know Nick, you know, I, he's not, he's not upset at Jonathan Gannon. Um, I, look, you know, and one of the things, and we're going to have EJ on and EJ brought this up and I'll bring it up with him. Uh, you know, if you talk to coaches, when you when you don't stop the run, I I don't want to say it's um it's a choice, but it, when you don't stop the run, it generally means you're not investing the resources on the field to stop the run. And I think that defines the Eagles' defense. Like, that's not the goal of their defense. The goal of their defense, we talk about it all the time, is to limit explosive plays. And then you get in a game where you have to win it a different way and they're not changing. So I think that's the philosophical issue. Now, do you want to change for one week to get through the week? Well, that's where I think the Eagles coaching staff has been good offensively. They don't change as much. They don't morph as much defensively. So I think that's a valid criticism that maybe during the game you have to do it a little bit uh, quicker. But at the end of the day, if you're asking me my personal opinion, I just don't 
think they, and I've been talking about, you know, Jody, I've been talking about this since the off season. I just don't think they give a bleep about stopping the run. Like they're not going to, an, like I talk about putting the Kobe Dean on the field. They're not going to do that. I don't want to give fans the uh, uh, false hope that they want to see that. And I know you're a big Nicobe Dean. There's not a chance in the world they're going to play Nicobe Dean 50, 70% of the time. They're not going to do that. So well, I don't what, want to give people What if Jonathan Taylor goes out and gets a buck 50 against them this week? The, the week thereafter against Aaron Jones, they're, they're I mean, still the not going to do it. And if uh, Derrick Henry goes for a buck fifty against them, well, the, that sounds pretty stupid to me. That well, because you're so married to your philosophy of the way that you play, you will not make a big enough change to potentially cut down on what's uh, beating you. Well, the the philosophy is 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 a team wide philosophy. So for that to happen, for what you just said to happen. The offense has got to play like the offense is playing as well. And that's not going to happen. So I, I think people take a look at, 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 at what happened in Washington and assume, all right, the offense is going to play as crappily as they did against Washington. That part of it's in the equation as well. So if you have both of these things lining up, aligning, and the turnovers and all that stuff, it looks bad on a particular Sunday. That's how you lose a game. The assumption is, even if the team struggles defending the run, which I expect them to do against Jonathan Taylor, in theory, that's how the Eagles want Indianapolis to play because they think they're going to score those those points that Mike Gill was talking about. They think they're going to score. They think they're going to be playing from the lead. It's going to be too difficult for Indianapolis to shorten the game like Washington was able to accomplish. Now, this isn't... Um, you know, if you're playing an odds game, if you're playing an odds perspective, that's probably the way it's going to shake out. But this is not the way that this is not the week you can point that out because everybody just saw that's exactly the way it played out against Washington. But can you do that consistently week in and week out? Opponent after opponent after opponent after I doubt it. I doubt it. And that's where the Eagles are coming from. Here's where they, if if they stick to their philosophy the way that you just described it and don't change a thing and say, hey, we got the eight no doing it this way. All right, we lost one. Yeah, we're not going to wait. We just wiped that loss off. Pretend that it didn't happen. We'll just continue to do things the way we did when we were eight no. If they play the exact same game against the run this week against Jonathan Taylor, the Washington Redskins rushed for, what was it, 3.1 yards per carry? Yeah. It really wasn't all that impressive. Uh, they, they, It was certainly quantity over quality with the commander's running game this week. They do the same thing against Jonathan Taylor, who rushed for 6.7 yards per rush last week. Oh, they do the same thing. He's going to kill him. He's going to crush him. They, they won't score three points in the second half with Jonathan Taylor uh, getting the ball as compared to the commander's running backs. They'd best be careful. They, I, what you're saying to me is the Eagles believe they don't need a plan B. They are so enamored with their plan A that we'll let you run the football. We're just not going to let you make big plays against us. We're going to stick to our bend but don't break defense. I think they should have a plan B in place. I'm sorry, John. 
Well, I agree. You should change a little bit in a game because um, a change, and they did the second half, um, you know, maybe a little bit too late. Um, but again, I think the complementary aspect of, of, of the game is what's being missed here and that the offense didn't perform. If the offense performed, in other words, if the offense played like the offense typically does, even though the defense has a bad game stopping the run, they're still winning the football game. Um, but you had to have both things in concert playing perform, playing poorly um, for it to, to, to work out the way they did. And the Eagles still had multiple chances to win the game, which is kind of amazing as poorly as they played, which kind of tells you the difference in, in talent level. They're going to out-talent teams. I don't expect uh, both sides to play as poorly. I don't expect Darius play to play, uh, play as poorly as he did. I don't expect Fletcher to play as poorly as he did. I don't expect the offense to turn the football over. I expect him, even without Dallas Goddard, to play uh, a sharper brand of football. So, in a lot of ways, most of the stuff is self-correcting. Um, but you know, if 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 here here's I guess what I would ask: like you can stop the run. Any team in the NFL with Jordan Davis, without Jordan Davis, anybody can stop the run if they want to. If you want to put nine people on the line of scrimmage, you can stop Jonathan Taylor. You can stop Derrick Henry. You can stop, insert name. You can stop anybody you want to. Most teams, most teams, not all teams, most teams are going to gash you uh, with explosive plays in the passing game if you try to do that. Understood. Um that, that to me is – that's the Eagles' thought process. That's the way they play the way they play. On a specific week when everybody doesn't perform to the way they should, it can look bad at times. But you can't overreact because guys underperformed in, in, in one 60-minute grouping right. of football. But I know it's hard. It's hard. This Here's week. what I'm saying, John. Uh, and it all comes down to Kobe Dean. That's what we're talking about. Getting an extra linebacker on the field. No one is suggesting Kobe Dean should play as many snaps as TJ Edwards. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about a handful of plays. 10, 12 plays, specific down and distance. And I know this is right in your wheelhouse, because you're and you're right when you think it. People just don't understand the whole down and distance, what Jordan Davis means to his team. Uh, yes, you get in better down and distances because of Jordan Davis and what he gives you, and they just didn't have that against the commanders. Maybe you could do that if you put three linebackers on the field against a team when you're at 72% probability they're going to run the football. And everybody has those numbers. Everybody knows what those numbers are. They didn't do that at all on Monday night. They just stuck to their, we're the Eagles. Here's the way we play defense philosophy. And Washington just moved the ball down the field against them, kept it out of their hands, had it for 40 out of 60 minutes during the game. That's that's a recipe to lose a game, and they did. So yeah. now it's going to be on Jonathan why... Gannon this week to have a plan B. Yeah, but I, 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 I don't think you overcorrect. Um, oh, they don't correct at all. They they didn't correct at all. There's not overcorrect. There's partial correct. Partial well, here's, correct. I'll here, take this week against it, the Colts. It, I I would say uh, uh, Washington. My bigger criticism is is 
do it against Washington in game, um, you know, with Taylor Heineke. Now you're playing Matt Ryan. Like if it were Sam Ellinger, I would agree with you. Matt Ryan, if you put eight people in the box, Matt Ryan is just going to see that and throw the football. Now, he's not what he once was, but he's smart enough to understand uh, if he doesn't have a, a, a good number count, um, he's just going to check out of a bad play and check into a good play. And then you start talking about having a, a back end, the secondary, playing a bunch of coverages they're not used to playing uh, and changing your whole philosophy for, for a week for an overcorrection of a bad game. That's kind of what I'm talking about. If Sam Ellinger's out there, yeah, knock yourself out. I, you should be trying to uh, put pressure on a young quarterback who doesn't want to play, who doesn't know how to play, not doesn't want to play, doesn't know really how to play at the NFL level. Matt Ryan's seen everything 15 times over. I mean, if if you're loading boxes against Matt Ryan, I, it's not gonna it's not gonna work out well. It's not gonna work out well. Matt Matt Ryan was benched for the year. Uh, but you know why he was five, benched for the year? Five days ago. And he wasn't benched for the year. He was benched because the owner ordered the coach to bench him. Right. That's well, that's he, why. He was in that zone until there were other things around that changed. So um, Matt Ryan's better. Get, we're back to the phrase you used earlier. Gives them a better chance to win than the other options they have. We all agree to that. Matt Ryan is not the Matt Ryan from two years ago, four years ago, six years ago, eight years ago. I'm not uh, coaching in fear of Matt Ryan coming into this week. And another thing about uh, facing the Colts is who this week should the Eagles be treating like Terry McLaurin? Well, uh, they don't have a receiver as good as as Terry McLaurin, but again, you're you're counting on on Terry McLaurin against the Eagles' uh, normal coverage, which they didn't uh, perform well, by the way. Um, you know, as opposed to what Terry McLaurin would have done if the Eagles were playing, you know, press coverage. Because if you got eight people in the box, well, guess what? You're playing single high and you're playing press coverage. That's not what the Eagles do. So number one, you're changing drastically from one week to the next. You're changing your whole defensive philosophy, even though you practice to play one potential philosophy since the spring and you're changing it off one bad game. And Oh, by the way, you're eight and one. And although Michael Pittman isn't Terry McLaurin. He's also not the worst receiver in the world. Um, And again, while Matt Ryan isn't what Matt Ryan once was, he understands what he's looking at that. I know. Um, Yeah. I just don't, I don't agree with that. I don't agree with the overcorrection. Now I'm repeating myself. We're not talking about overcorrection. We're talking about any correction. Because the Eagles showed no ability to correct at all this past Sunday, this past Monday night. Excuse me. I but hope they, they showed they at least some. They played better in the second half. They did. They played better in the second half. Defensively, when you, up, when you give up twenty-three in the first half, then guess what? Yeah, you better play better in the second half uh, because uh, giving up but twenty-three give up, in the first if, half if, is if pretty damn bad. Up, is it not, Johnny Mac? 
Well, what's the larger sample size? Like they had a bad game week one in Detroit. Then, you know, week two until last week, they hadn't given up more than 17 points defensively. Here's so are, are you throwing the baby out with the bathwater? No, here's because here's the what I'm doing. I'm size. judging the Eagles on their defense since Jordan Davis went out. Because you and I both acknowledge that when he leaves the field, the Eagle defense is not the same. And they haven't done a great job at making the changes around. All 11 guys on the field at once, because Jordan Davis is that big an impact that he affects everybody. And two weeks running, including last week's game, which, oh, by the way, the Texans ran the ball pretty effectively against him, but they really didn't have somebody else. They didn't have Matt Ryan. They didn't, they, you think David Mills going to do that to you. They didn't have that. We'll react to your reaction ability because their passing game isn't good enough. Their quarterback isn't good enough. I'm just saying they better have some kind of answer to Jonathan Taylor this week. Cause if they don't, they're going to do the same exact thing. The skins, the, the commanders did, and that's control of football for 40 minutes of the game. Well, we'll, we'll talk about it with EJ and, 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 you know, we'll EJ Smith from the Inquirer is going to be up after the break, but yeah, I mean, they're not as good playing the run with Jordan Davis. That ain't changing until Jordan Davis gets back, no matter what they do. So, they, they, Do they need to get better? Yeah. Hopefully they can get better that the other team doesn't control the ball 40 out of 60 minutes. That's that's the correction that Jonathan Gannon should be looking to get this week coming up against the Colts. All right, coming up next with us is EJ Smith from the Inquirer. He's going to jump aboard. Birds 365. Don't wait until after Thanksgiving for leftovers. It's the new leftover sales event at Jeff D'Ambrosio Destination Downingtown. Jeff must get rid of hundreds of new 2022 vehicles on the lot. Rams, Grand Cherokees, Wranglers, Jeff has them all for less. Jeff has reduced prices and payments to the lowest they've been all year. And Jeff knocks down high interest rates, save thousands more than anywhere else. Plus, get more for any trade or lease return. You always win at Jeff's great selection, best price. Hurry in now. Jeff D'Ambrosio Destination Downingtown. Nobody treats you better. Black Friday sales event. At Pond Lee Hockey, we've recovered billions of dollars for our clients, and we're confident we can do the same for you. With over 250 years of combined courtroom experience, we've helped over 100,000 injured clients obtain some of the largest settlements in Pennsylvania. One conversation is all it takes to help you and your family get back on track. If you've been injured in an accident, give Pond Lee Hockey a call. Go for the beers, go for the cheers, go for the hit and the hits, go for the scene, go for the screens, go for the gallery, go for the win, go to Ocean.
At Salus University, our graduates are among the most highly trained in their profession because of our unique emphasis on research, interprofessional collaboration, and early clinical exposure. Learn more about our programs at salus.edu. Welcome back, guys. Here on Birch 365, we got EJ Smith from the Inquirer jumping on board with us. All right, I got a Phillies hat on today. Yours is clipped. I can't see it. What hat you got on there? Today? I got the Philadelphia Inquirer today. Very <laughs> I'm repping nice. the company. I'm a company Very man. Very nice. Rep that boy. company. Good that for you. That boy, AJ. Yeah. Thanks for having uh, me, guys. Appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks for uh, jumping on, EJ. We've been talking about the run game a lot, obviously, uh, and the Eagles' inability to stop it uh, against Washington. Um, where are you on this debate, EJ, the fact that, look, I think it was a complimentary issue. I think the offense played into it. I certainly think the Eagles don't stop the run nearly as well with, with without Jordan Davis. Um but they have this philosophy, and their philosophy is limit explosive plays on the defensive side of the football. Um, and if you do that and win the turnover ratio, you're going to win games. They've proven that through eight weeks that that is the formula to win games. They didn't they didn't put that formula together. There were two parts of it, the offense as well. Where do you kind of come down on this this debate? Yeah, I mean, I think this is the the way the Eagles defense is built. You know, we talk about how much better the Eagles run defense was with Jordan Davis. But even when Jordan Davis was, you know, a big part of what they did up front, they still were, you know, in the bottom third of the league and run defense with him yeah. in the equation. You know, obviously, when he was on the field, they were doing, you know, a little bit better against the run. But I think that this is how this defense is structured. You know, I think it's it's a little it's a little bit of a choice you know, to not be necessarily stout against the run because of the things that it opens up on the back end. You know, people uh, talk about, oh, well, maybe they should run more 4-3, you know, put three linebackers on the field and, you know, try and stop the run by loading up the box. And it's like, if they put three linebackers on the field, it fundamentally changes the way that their secondary plays. And their secondary is playing at a really high level. So I do think that, you know, this is kind of a – we've – teams have kind of uncovered a way, especially for mediocre teams, you know, some of the worst teams in the league, uh, you know, ways to kind of keep themselves in games or, you know, maybe take advantage of the Eagles' weakness against the run. And, you know, that might be something that costs them a game or two down the stretch of the season. So it's a big deal for sure. But, you know, against the better teams, I do think that the the sad, the, the the equation that they have with, you know, putting guys on the back end, you know, having extra guys in the secondary, I think it is kind of over the over time, you know, when you look at it from the macro, it kind of works works itself out over time, you know. So you're saying that after this week's loss – Eight straight wins, one loss. Got to balance those two numbers. <laughs> but their their response is, screw it. We are what we are, and we're not going to change a thing. Well, no, I mean, I think that there are things that Jonathan Gannon can do on early downs to sort of, you know, combat the problem that they have. Because really, if you think about it, they don't have another – Obviously, there's not many human beings on the planet like Jordan Davis, but there are people who play his position and the Eagles don't really have another true two gapping nose tackle. And that's it's kind of funny to think about it when you come in at, when they come out of the offseason, when they drafted Jordan Davis, you know, 
uh, you know, a few months before the draft, I was talking to some draft guys. I'm like, would they really draft, you know, a nose tackle? Like, you know, the Eagles have been 4-3 for so long. They've been five down <laughs> under Gannon, but they sort of flipped between them the, the first year. And, you know, they really don't have another player that does what Jordan Davis does. So it's not as simple as, well, let's just put Marlon Toy below to at the nose or let's put, you know, Marvin Wilson or Javon Hargrave at, at that position. Jordan Davis is kind of that, you know, that gap stealer, as, uh, you know, people will call it. So yeah. <clears throat> there are things that they can do, you know, whether it's run blitzes or, you know, just like kind of having, you know, different looks on early downs to kind of combat this. But and I think that's what we'll see. Um, you know, I mean, this is why Jonathan Gannon gets paid, right, to figure out how to get, you know, how to get things under control on early downs. Because, you know, I mean, I think he's proven by now he's he's a good coordinator and it's easier to be a good coordinator when you're in third and long. But he's a good coordinator at, you know, calling up third and long, second and long plays. It's really those first and second down when it's like second and manageable first and, you know, first and 10 and they get six yards on the ground. That's the stuff that I think he really has to shore up in the next couple of weeks. Yeah. And I think a lot of ways you bring up a good point. I think this is a roster problem, EJ, and the fact that, look, you can't have a great backup at every position, but you can have a similar player. And I thought way early in the process uh, when, you know, we do so many of these projected 53s in the offseason, I thought Noah Ellis would be the backup nose tackle. And he got hurt just because he's a big 340-pound guy yeah. who can replicate, not as successfully, but can at least replicate what Jordan Davis does at, from a football standpoint. I think the fact that they don't have that player is a mistake. I think it was a roster construct because you got a bunch of three techniques, right? Fletcher, yeah. Javon, Milton, bunch of three techs who aren't comfortable doing it. Marvin Wilson got a little bit of a chance in Houston. That didn't go well. So they don't have that type of player. And I say that for this reason, I want to shift to the offense because they don't have it. Now it, it's tough to replace Dallas Goddard. I mean, yeah, he's a top five tight end, but they don't, they, they can have somebody who can line up, but they don't, they don't have somebody that can replicate uh, what Dallas Goddard does, not to the efficacy. Uh, that's not what I'm talking about because he's a superstar player. But some of the similar things, they they, they got the developmental type. We'll see if Tyree Jackson gets activated today. Grant Calcaterra can catch the football. Um, Jack Stoll's a decent blocker. How impactful is that going to be to this offense losing Dallas Goddard? Yeah, I mean, if you had asked me two weeks ago who is the most important player on the Eagles offense, I mean, maybe I would have went with like Lane Johnson or Jason Kelsey. But honestly, Dallas Goddard would have probably been my answer. You know, I think that what he does, not just his production, but as you're talking about, the fact that he is, a, you know, he is one of the best blocking tight ends in the league. He's, a, you know, excellent receiver. He's one of the most productive receiving tight ends in the league. And if you just watch the Eagles week in and week out, you see that when they need plays, it's A.J. Brown and, and Dallas Goddard. And yeah. especially those like Dallas Goddard, some of that production is like, it's almost like a cheap, cheap way to get production with him. You know, it's like, uh, let's just, let's just throw him a screen out on the, on the outside or I mean, even on the inside, let's throw him a screen. You know, he was leading all tight ends in rack. I think he was, you know, top five in the league total, like overall, um, you know, a lot of those like, you know, RPOs with him releasing out to the flat. Those are plays that like, you know, his athleticism makes happen. And you're right. Like Grant Calcaterra is a pretty good athlete, a good receiving threat. He's not the, he's not as dynamic in the blocking game. And this is the biggest part with Dallas Goddard is his ability to do both is what makes the Eagles offense kind of go. Um, you know, when they're in 13 personnel, 
they don't have to run. You know, a lot of teams, if you put three tight ends on the field, it's like, well, we can't pass out of this. When you've got, you know, Dallas Goddard on the field, you can pass out of it. He's a legitimate receiving threat. And then on the flip side, when you're an 11 personnel, a lot of teams don't like to run out of 11, especially out of shotgun. But Dallas Goddard is a capable enough blocker that you can run out of 11 yeah. with him. Now, the Eagles yeah. offensive line is a big part of that. You know, they're obviously, you know, a big part of why you can run out of shotgun. But Dallas Goddard is kind of that, like, tendency breaker. You know, he's somebody who kind of keeps you from being predictable. You know, you can run out different personnel packages. And, you know, we've seen the Eagles get really cute with that sometimes, you know, like running 13 personnel for shot plays or, you know, running 11 to just, you know, bleed the clock out. And they, that's the type of stuff that Dallas allows them to do. And they're going to be a, become a lot more predictable now because if Grant Calcaterra is on the field in 12 personnel, it's like, well, they might be taking a shot here. If Grant Calcaterra is on the field in 11, they're definitely not running the ball. You know, like all these things are going to start, you know, creeping up. And this is a problem that most NFL offenses have. Um, but, you know, it's kind of one of those luxuries that the Eagles have enjoyed, and it's a big part of why their offense has been as effective as it has been. Taking the importance of the position out of the debate, which is a bigger drop-off, Dallas Goddard to whoever's going to replace him or Jalen Hurts with whoever's going to replace him, if he were Yeah, well, I guess I should have said, like, excluding the quarterback. You're right, because right. <laughs> Jalen Hurts is easily the, you know, he's the, he's the thing that makes the entire – he's the straw that stirs the drink, I guess people would say. Um, so yeah, you're right about that. I guess I should have I should have uh, qualified my statement. I just with, wanted because well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Gardner Gardner's a good backup though. Gardner, yeah, I, but the I, offense you know, would change so. No, much. Yeah, oh be yeah, it's got to change dramatically. But the offense. Yeah. Are we sure would, about that? Because John's been trying to sell me on the Eagles have this plan in place, and shall they never uh, wander from it too far? Because no. it got now, here's they, what you know, I'm. They, all would, right. they, would they employ that with the offense, too, if Gardner Minshew had to go in? I think uh, Jody is misdescribing. So I'll give you I'll, – I'll throw it at EJ. All right. So we'll go back to the defensive side. My my thought is – and I, I said, Jody, I, I told Jody, you can stop anybody in the running game. Jonathan Taylor, Derrick Henry, if you want. If you want. If you want to put nine guys in it, you can put ten people in the box. You can stop anybody you want in the running game if you really, really want to. Um, but it affects the back end, as you were uh, talking, alluded to a little bit. And the Eagles play that. The Eagles play the way they do. They play a lot of quarters coverage, uh, cover two, cover six, whatever they're going to do, a lot of zone coverage on the back end. Obviously, if you're loading the box, you can't play uh, zone coverage a lot on the back end. It's got to be press. It's got to be man-to-man. I also think the quarterback changes things. If they wanted to change, if they wanted to, to load the box against Washington, that's the week to do it, right, against Taylor Heineke. Against Matt Ryan, he's not what he once was. But if he sees an eight-man box, EJ, he's still capable of recognizing it and, and making you pay for it. Am I crazy when I say that? No, I, I, I mean, I agree with you. I think, <clears throat> I think I said it earlier. It's a choice that they're not necessarily dominant against the run. And it's, you know, if I can take you down an analogy, my wife drives this Jeep and it's got these big tires on it. And, you know, we're, we have to replace the tires, right? And we're going, oh, those tires weren't great in the rain. You know, those tires weren't great in the snow. And, you know, maybe we want something that's better in the rain and the snow. But then you start going, oh, well, those tires are really quiet on the highway. And those tires, you know, we got good fuel economy. It's like you don't realize, like, okay, you might be able to improve it somewhere, but you're going to pay somewhere else. And, you know, that's kind of what you're, what you're talking about with the defense. It's like if you want to load up the box, all right, well, you can't really play quarters anymore. And the Eagles defense is kind of built 
on the back end on quarters. You know, it's harder to do those things. Again, like I said, if you put an extra linebacker on the field, you're not playing in zone coverage as effectively as you are with Josiah Scott or Avante Maddox. You can't really play those like sub packages as much. Um, now, I agree with you against some of these lesser teams. It might be, I mean, against like the Texans or uh, Washington, the commanders, you know, you, you probably can go to get away with let's load up the box, you know, let's put, you know, three linebackers on the field and, you know, let's just trust. Although, I mean, I was, I was going to say this, but it's like, you know, do you really want Darius Slay and James Bradbury as good as they are covering Washington's receiving core all game? I mean, that's a good receiving core. So, I mean, against the Colts, I do think that you could see more of it. You know, I, I don't think their receiving core is quite as good. I think you could trust uh, Darius Slay and James Bradbury to kind of man up on those guys. But, uh, but yeah, no, I, I'm with you. I, I do think that it's kind of that trade off. You know, it's like if you're you're going to be paying Peter to you're stealing from Peter to pay Paul. Is that the expression? You know, it's a little bit of, yeah. uh, you know, kind of again, Jonathan Gammon's a defensive backs coach at heart. I think he builds his defense from the secondary down. So if I, I'm apologizing if I somehow misquoted John, but I'll instead try and say exactly <laughs> what John said. He said that there is no chance Nicobe Dean is going to become part of their regular package. None. No chance. None. No chance. All no. right. So I know it's a bit of a hypothetical. Jonathan Taylor goes for a buck 25 this week. Maybe the Eagles win, maybe the Eagles lose, but he goes for a buck 25. The week after Aaron Jones goes for a buck 25, which he surely could do. We just saw him do it against the Cowboys. Now, I wouldn't play Nicobe Dean against Aaron Rodgers, but the week after that, they're playing Ryan, Ryan Tannehill and Derek uh, Henry. Are you telling me you're not putting Nicobe Dean on the field because? Our philosophy is we play the zone defense we play. We never play three linebackers. We're not going to start now. You're playing against a team that doesn't have a great quarterback, doesn't have a great receiving core, but has maybe the most dominant running back in the National Football League. But damn it, we're not putting three linebackers out there because we haven't done it all year and we're not going to fucking start now. Yeah, I, I'm kind of with John on this. I mean, so here's my here's the caveat I'll give you. You so, all three, you get an included a crazy. <laughs> so <laughs> the caveat I'll give you is if the Eagles defense starts giving up 30 plus points and, you know, obviously they get the team gave up 32 against Washington, but it was kind of that garbage time touchdown. And, you know, the yeah. offense had three turnovers. But if the defense starts, you know, legitimately giving up big, big points uh, with a running with a, with a run first team that's running a lot at that point, I think that the coaching staff will hit the panic button and go, let's figure out how we're going to fix this. But if I'm Jonathan Gannon, I mean, we gave up what, 26 points, not counting the, the touchdown from the defense. Uh, and, you know, really it was, you know, one of the field goals was basically they were in our, in our territory when they got the ball. I mean, <laughs> you can live with 18 play, you know, eight minute drives. Now, obviously on the flip side, the offense isn't on the field as much and they have to get off the field on third down the defense. That was the biggest thing. And obviously a big part of that's, you know, whether well, in third and manageable, but still, even the third and five, third and six, anything third and long, those are the ones you really got to get off the field. Um, but I do, I just kind of think that <clears throat> if they're giving up 20 something points and the Eagles offense is getting on the field enough, I don't think that they're going to hit the panic button just based off of this Washington win or the Washington loss. Yeah. And the second part, and, and you kind of alluded to it is, and I talk about it all the time, the complimentary nature. We're not even talking about this if the offense doesn't perform like the offense does, because if they don't turn it over and they win the football game, okay, maybe the defense didn't have a good day, but they won the football game and everybody's not overreacting. I kind of go back. It's like playing Navy. I say it all the time. Mike Gill, we had our buddy Mike Gill. He mentioned Navy as well. You might look like 
crap one week playing Navy because you can't justify preparing for that nonsense. When you, <laughs> when you, when you practice the way you play all spring and all summer, and then you get, and you're a successful team, you're setting I'm talking about the college level. And that's really drastic. It's not like that at the pro level, but the larger point is you don't change your philosophy in season. You, you, you know, you can't just say, Oh, Navy's on the schedule. We have to change our philosophy. So that's kind of where I am. They've made their decision. For the most part, the Eagles have made their decision. They believe, look, we're going to play light boxes. It's a lot easier when Jordan Davis is there and we have that presence. We don't have it. But you can't change your whole philosophy. Um, Can you change your whole philosophy in season? Uh, your whole philosophy. I, I mean, that would be tough, but I do think that there is like something to be said about like, they could be employing different ways. Now, like I'm not a defensive coordinator. I don't know exactly all the ways that you're going to, you know, you know, the things, the options that, got, that Jonathan Gannon has to sort of combat the run out of the looks that he has. But I do know that teams do it. I do know that teams, you know, run with light boxes and still figure out how to stop the run. Um, oh yeah. So think, well, they usually yeah. have good players. Right. Well, that's, that is, a, that is, you know, kind of the, uh, the sticking point. This all comes down to talent. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, I mean, I do think there are some things that he could try to stop the run, but I don't know. I, I, I'm sort of, I'm not there yet. You know, I try to watch the season as a, you know, no, I would say, size. I would, yeah. I would say maybe a run blitz here and there. All right. right. Sure. I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll buy that. But as yeah. far as, changing the whole philosophy i i don't know how you can do that i think that's panic yeah, i mean and there's no way you do it at eight and one right there's here's no it, way i feel the need to jump in here because i'm not suggesting they go to every down a four three defense i'm talking about occasionally i'm talking about against a specific down in defense it's just like jordan davis jordan davis doesn't play every down he played 35 percent of the downs well, then how are you sticking to your philosophy? Oh, your philosophy has different looks and different angles and different players on the field in different situations. That's what I'm talking about. I'm not saying that they yeah, should they, put Nicobe Dean out but, there as a starter and have him play 100% of the plays. I'm just saying maybe if he played more than 0% of the plays, <laughs> he could help him slow down the run. Well, and I'll bring EJ. They already toggle between five and four-man fronts. They play four-man fronts more than they play five-man fronts, typically. Um, the difference is they don't play three traditional linebackers because of that quarters coverage, because of that, and that's their default, but there's also cover six and cover two and all the other zone coverage. That's the part that's not changing. That's the part I'm talking about. Not the, the fronts change all the time. They toggle between five and four man fronts. So they have the capability of changing. Is the only point I'm trying to make. Well, that's very showing the ability. That there's a hard line that they can't cross because of their defensive coverages in the backfield. Is that what you're saying? There's, yeah. there's, yeah. That and yeah. EJ can talk. You can talk about that. They don't want to change. That's my thought. What's your thought, DJ? Yeah, I mean, the, the third linebacker is like the sticking point because it's like if you have N'Kobe Dean trying to carry a slot receiver 40 yards down the field, it's like that's not going to work. Now, I think that's where yeah, no, this uh, becomes – Yeah, <laughs> I, yeah, I got to defend myself. 
they're not put him out there in three wide receiver sets. We get that. Yeah. I'm talking about when they've got two tight ends and two receivers, you can put an extra linebacker on the field. I think that's where you I think that's what you eventually want to see from Nicobe Dean. You know, I think that's what the Eagles are hoping eventually. Nicobe Dean is a guy who can carry tight ends down the field. That's I don't know if they're if, I don't know if they're ready for him to do that yet. I mean, if they were ready, I think he'd be doing it. So I think and that the sticking point here is like well, if you don't trust the Kobe Dean to carry tight ends 40 yards down the field, then you have to be in a 4-2-5 when you have a four down front. You have to put, you know, Avante Maddox, Josiah Scott, whoever it is. Maybe you drop Chauncey Gardner-Johnson in the box and put uh, Kayvon Wallace over the top. That's you're gonna put base defense, 4-2-5. Right, exactly. So that's what you're going to have to do. And that isn't great against the run. I mean, the Eagles have been worse against the run in the four down stuff. A lot of th- a lot of because of Jordan Davis's presence. But even Marlon Toypulo too has been up and down. You know, I think sometimes he he makes some nice plays, but then other times he's out of position. So, and that's where it kind of becomes well, there is like that, you know, barrier. Woods. If we're going to put a third linebacker on the field, we can't run the coverages that we run. And that's where I think it is a choice. It is a choice that Jonathan Gannon has made. That's like the coverages we run are more important to me than giving up an extra one or two yards in the run game consistently now, like, and this is where the Gannon thing, I think really boils down to like why we always, why we're always talking about Gannon is because like his defense is not necessarily a fun one for Eagles fans to watch because they know what, you know, Jimmy Johnson did, buddy Ryan, even Jim Schwartz to a degree, those are all aggressive defenses downhill, you know, stop the run on the way to the quarterback. And, you know, we're going to get sacks. We're going to get pressure. This one's a lot more, based in like mathematics and analytics. And I think it's not always fun to watch a team get three or four yards every single time and, you know, grind out 16 play drives. But I do think that like the decision they've made is they're, they strongly believe that even though like it might not be fun to watch, this is how we're going to win games. This is the best, well, this is the best way to put us in a position to win. Now we can have the debate whether they're right, but I think that the the debate to like if they're going to change is you know if they're not you know that's what they believe. So yeah. I think it really comes down to do you agree with their philosophy or not? Yeah, and uh, you know I do want to bring in uh, the offense because I think it's not in front of your face so people don't see the offense contributed to the poor game of the defense and the fact that yeah. you know they're they're at Jim Sports you one of my favorites, Jim would always say there's a personality to every game as a coach. There hasn't been much to complain about uh, with Nick Sirianni and Shane Steichen, but I thought they didn't pick up quickly enough that that game had a personality and they're running tempo at the, in the second quarter when that defense is on the field, they're not getting off the field. Now you can blame the defense. That's fair. You got to get off the field on third downs. They couldn't get off the field, but as an offensive coach, how much responsibility do you have to say, all right, we got to give these guys a breather. Even if we're going three and out, let's huddle. Let's run some plays. Let's run the football. Let's give them a little bit of a breather. And they're running tempo and they're right off the field again. I don't think they've gotten enough criticism. And my dog thinks so too. Because- <laughs> your dog, yeah, your dog agrees. Yeah. I'm surprised my dog hasn't made any noise yet. No, I am. Um- no, I, I agree with you there. I mean, I think that, uh, you know, the, the offense was just in general a little bit like you, like you're saying, like styles make fights is, you know, the expression that I know from boxing. And it's like, you know, the Eagles offense, I remember there was, a I, I tweeted it out. I was like, this is a big drive. They got to just give the Eagles defense a break. Um, and I do think that that's a big part of this run defense that we haven't really talked about is that those guys were probably, those guys were gassed, you know, by the second half. I mean, they had just been on the field for so long and, 
you know, that is exhausting trying to stop the run constantly like that. So um, I do think that the tempo, I, I see why they do it because it's like, you know, that's kind of their, uh, their like pacifier when things aren't necessarily going great for the offense. It's let's go tempo, get everybody into a rhythm, you know, kind of keep the, the defense on the field, but you're right. I mean, defense wasn't going to, the Washington defense wasn't going to be tired and the Eagles defense was sitting on the sideline, just begging for a break. And, you know, there were a lot of times, like even like some of those, like the, the punt, um, the, the block punt, obviously they only had to go out for another play, but even that type of stuff I imagine is exhausting. It's like, you know, you jog off the field, you're all excited. And then all of a sudden one play later, it's like, you got to go back out and play. Now, again, I know it was just one play, but that kind of stuff does add up. All right, EJ, uh, last one for me. Take this to either the players or the coaching staff, whichever you think is more important. The Eagles haven't been in this week's situation in a year. And when I say this week's situation, I mean after a loss that really meant something. Yeah, they were against Tampa, but guess what? Everybody packed up and went home. So I'm talking <laughs> about going back into the locker room, getting ready for the next game after a big loss. The last one like this was Jalen Hurts' worst game against the Giants when he threw the three picks last year. They finished out with the wins. The JV playing against Dallas doesn't really count for me. And they won eight straight games. To, to one eight. So this is the first time in a year they've had to go through what they have to go through to get ready for a game after a loss. Who's that on this week more so? The coaching staff or the players themselves to be in the right mindset, to do the right preparation, to be ready for the Colts on Sunday? I think it's players. You know, obviously the coach sets the sets the message for the week and, you know, is the one that talks the most to the group. But I really think it's up to the players to make that decision on how they're going to respond. And I don't know about you, John, but like my my uh, impression was that these guys are kind of like, listen, we didn't play our best game. We made we, we have a lot to clean up. You know, yeah. we're not going to dwell on this. We're just going to we're just going to move on to the next one. And I think that's the best way to look at it, honestly. And I, I think that you know, another reason why it's on the players is because the Eagles have really strong leadership. You know, they've got a lot of guys who have been in the building for a long time. And then Jalen Hurts is kind of ingratiated into that leadership group just because, you know, he's wired the right way. So I'm not whenever it's like a question of like, you know, personality of the team and how they might respond to whether it's adversity or success. You know, one of the reasons I think the Eagles started the season eight. and oh, is because Jalen Hurts wasn't going to let anybody, uh, you know, take a, an opponent lightly. He wasn't going to let them, you know, read their own press clippings or, you know, get too big for their bridges. He was going to say, you guys got to, you know, take it week by week, day by day, as he's always saying, daily deposits, all yeah. that stuff. Um, so, yeah, I'm not concerned about the Eagles, you know, handling adversity at this point. I mean, I think we've seen, you know, enough of the guys in the locker room do it to know what they're about. So, um, so yeah, no, I think that it's mostly on the players. And I do think based off of how, how they were talking after the game that they, they're in the right mindset. I don't think they're dwelling on the loss. Yeah, and I agree. I mean, Jalen sets the tone there. At EJ Smith 94 follow EJ on Twitter. Read him at the Philadelphia Inquirer. Does a tremendous job covering this team. And I'm with you. I mean, this this team, Darius Slay, took accountability, um, you know, right off the bat. He probably had his worst game of the year. I think Fletcher probably had his worst game of the year. Those guys yeah. tend to respond. And the offense, you know, EJ, this coaching staff, all they talk about, two stats, that's it, two stats besides the scoreboard. Win the turnovers, win the explosive play battle, you're going to win the game. They didn't win it for the first time they lost the game. They, yeah. they It was the turnovers, but they lost the game. That's, that's what it comes down to for this coaching staff, and they're not changing. Did yeah, they win no. it 
explosive play battle? And again, how do we uh, uh, mark the explosive plays? Uh, the Eagles do uh, 16, 16 plus on pass plays, 10 plus on run plays. I thought it was 12. It's 10. But uh, yeah. yeah, a lot of other places do 20 plus on pass. Yeah. But... yeah. Okay. But did they did they win that this week? I think they did. They, they, I think they, they won explosive. Didn't they? they won explosive. They lost yeah, turnovers. You got to win them yeah. both. You got to win them both. EJ, great stuff. Appreciate you coming on board with us. Thank you much. Uh, we will get you back on again down the road and let you don that Inquirer hat. <laughs> Appreciate you guys having me. Thanks again. Our pleasure. EJ Smith from the Inquirer. Big boy here with us on Burge 365. Maybe they need him to replace the, the missing defensive tackle who changes the entire team with his absence. I'm not going to have to deal with Dallas Goddard being out this week, which might have just as big an effect as Jordan Davis being out. All right, Johnny Mack and I will come back. We'll put a bow on the show here on Birds 365. Stay right there. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. Since 1977 at Rafferty Subaru, we have always been about our customers and the community. Early on, a safe and durable option, we've evolved to become the best overall brand according to Kelly Blue Book. Over the last 14 years, we've donated thousands of dollars through the Subaru Share the Love event and found homes for hundreds of pets. The Rafferty family is proud of our 45 years in business. This month, celebrate our anniversary with special financing on select models. Visit us and see why. The greatest fans on earth. It's a bold statement, but would you expect anything less from Philadelphia? 58 years of heartache creates a toughness, a grit, a resolve not found in most. Sure, our prayers were answered, but now that we've had a taste, we're looking for more. Pondley Hockey, official partner of the Philadelphia Eagles. Hi everybody, my name is Jason Lombardi. I'm an inspector at DryTech. At DryTech we offer three major services. The first one being basement waterproofing. The second service we offer is foundation and structural repairs. And then the third service that we offer is mold remediation. If you feel you are having a waterproofing issue, give DryTech a call or check us out online.
only a couple minutes left here on this Wednesday edition of First 365. Yeah, the week's kind of wacky because they had a Monday night game, so everything gets switched around. Uh, what are you uh, heading over to the Novacare Complex for today, Johnny Mac? What, what availability uh, are you guys going to have? Little Nick Sirianni action, uh, talking about 115, I believe, then some locker room access. Uh, walkthrough, Wednesday walkthrough. They're going to have the bigger practice on Thursday this week because of the Monday game. Um, but yeah, the head coach speaks today. So, no coordinators this week. Uh, no, they'll be talking on Thursday. Thursday. Uh, so Jonathan Tuesday Gunn. becomes Thursday? Um, just for the coordinators, not not for the team. Right. You, no, normally, we get the coordinators on Tuesday, uh, but there's no practice or anything. Uh, this week, they got to mix it up because uh, of the Monday night game. Understood. And, yeah, I'd, uh, it'll be an interesting session with Jonathan Gannon. Uh, tomorrow. Uh, so we'll certainly talk about that. I, uh, Sirianni, what, what will be his uh, statement stance, uh, not non-response about Dallas Goddard when asked about it today? Because you know it's got to be the first question asked. Yeah, and- I mean, he'll he'll throw the week-to-week thing out there. Um, you know, he'll, he'll, he'll give us a little something, but he'll give you the, I don't like to put a timetable the timetable will become evident by if the Eagles place them on injured reserve. Then the timetable becomes evident, as it did with Jordan Davis and uh, Avante Maddox. Um, and do they is there a possibility they could do that today with the fact that they have to put, uh, if they're going to activate Jack, they have to put him on the active roster today, right? Yeah, they do, uh, but they already have an open spot because they didn't use oh, it. Oh, that's right. Uh, that's on, right. They didn't replace. On, Sorry, on I forgot that. That's my bad. Um Here's one other question that uh, may or may not come come up today when you get a chance to talk to the coach. We know his mentor is no longer the head coach of the Indianapolis Colts. Frank Reich relieved of his duties. Um, there's always changes in coaching staff, not many in Indianapolis because Reich had been there for several years. He got other good buds on that coaching staff that he's got to uh, keep from texting this week when he usually does because they are actually going to be opponents this week. Yeah, I mean, he 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 knows they still have people on the staff. I, you know, we've already asked him about Frank, and this would be this would have been the one week where he couldn't have texted Frank, but now he can, and yeah, he'll be texting Frank. There's no question about it. But obviously, people on the staff, yeah, they're enemies this week. Yeah, this week, uh, no back and forth between he and the coaching staff. All right, uh, partner, good show today. We thank both DJ Smith and Mike Gill came on and uh, did a great job for us. Um, we'll get you a couple guys to uh, talk with us tomorrow. Don't know who those are. Um, Friday, we uh, will get a little bit more in-depth on the Colts and have an uh, Indianapolis guest. So uh, make sure you're here Friday. Make sure you're here every day. Make sure you hit the like button before you log out today because we need help with the algorithm we always do that's what they tell us get that algorithm up which again i have no idea what that means um but they tell us it's important so uh please do so hit the like button uh partner i'm in here for tomorrow i'm i'm a little nervous about this upcoming game against the colts uh we'll find out how nervous you are over the next couple of days you'll be back again tomorrow I will be here. Not nervous at all. The players are going to step up, as EJ said. The players are going to take control. 
Okay. Uh, all right. Johnny Mac a little bit more on the confident end than I am as of now. We'll see if that changes by Friday. Uh, but first things first, we got to get to Thursday, and that's when Johnny Mac and I will be back in two and two. You've been listening to Birds 365, the destination for the passionate Eagles football fan who bleeds green. If it's Eagles football, we're talking about it. Debate inside the locker room and guests that are some of the greatest football minds from around the region. We hope you enjoyed the show. We know we had a blast. Make sure to like, comment, and subscribe. And we'll be back soon. But in the meantime, hook up with us on social media at Jacob Sports. See you next time on Birds 365. Save big money now on new siding from LP Smart Side at Menards. Update and beautify your home with your choice of 13 timeless colors of pre-finished engineered siding. It's durable and includes a Sherwin-Williams factory finish paint warranty that means no painting for years to come. View our entire selection of siding from LP SmartSide today. And don't forget to check out our flyer on Menards.com for all the great deals happening now. Save big money at Menards. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.